I was a girl that never thought I had a testimony and I was about to be handed what I would say the worst testimony of my life. We got on a bus a few days later, jumped into our car from there and headed to the Blue Lagoon in Jamaica. Trent wanted to scuba dive. He slipped into the water, I waved goodbye to him and I had no idea at that moment that that would be the last time I would ever see Trent again. He sunk beneath the surface and he was gone. I remember 15 minutes going by, 30 minutes going by into 45 and I realized I hadn't seen him. I saw nothing and he was free diving that afternoon holding his breath so I knew I'd maybe have to see something and I still saw nothing. Truly for the first time in my life, fear gripped every part of me. I was so afraid. I felt very hopeless. I knew something was wrong. I knew something had shifted and I knew I couldn't change it. I just, I went in the state of just being completely numb. And I called in a dive team, they began to search. And during that time, I just went to this back room and I just, uh, I just cried. And I lifted up my hands toward heaven. And it was like this automatic response. Like, I didn't even know what to pray. I just said, help me, Jesus. God, I need help and I don't even know what that looks like right now because I know my life is never going to be the same. And I would beg you to change this. But I know it is what it is right now. So God, I need you to rescue me somehow from this. God, hold me, help me, rescue me. Can you do something in this moment? And it was the only thing that brought peace into my life. You're listening to the Reframing Ministries podcast, providing help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through pain. Here's our host, Colleen Swindoll Thompson. Tammy, thank you so very much for being with me today on this podcast. Absolutely. I'm actually so glad we had a chance to finally connect because there's so much we have to say as girls. There's so much we have to say. There's so much we have to catch up on because we met years ago. (laughs) I know. And we were trying to figure out where that was. I really do think it was like when I was doing an event in Colorado someplace in Aspen. I'm going to stick with that story. And I think that's where we met. I'm going to stick with that too, because it sounds great. Um, Tammy, the Lord has had you on an unbelievable journey. And I know for anyone listening today, you're going to speak hope into their lives um, because it has been devastating and it has also been delightful. Um, Why don't you start with where your story really took a nosedive into finding your faith and finding Christ? Okay. First of all, when you say, it's so interesting, when you say um, delightful, Um, and devastating. Hmm. Somebody might look at those two words in the same sentence and think, how in the world can somebody be devastated and find any kind of delight in that? Hmm. Um, Many people get stuck and and don't know how. Um, Some of us have been um, brave enough to sort of travel down the road of the unknown to try to find the joy which to me is sort of the delight, but finding joy in the midst of sorrow and heartache and heartbreak and pain, disappointment, failure, you know, all of those words that that chase us down for years. And some of us 
have been in places where the wind has been completely knocked out of us. Mm-hmm. And some of us are strong enough. We find just enough strength to get up. But honestly, if we're being honest, there's many that don't even know how to get back up after the wind has been knocked out of them. And they just, they stay down. And it's, the thing is, it's not, that's not the defeat. It's like when we get down, down it's not, that's not the defeat, but it's when we choose to stay down. Um, that's when it's real dangerous. So to try to find some ounce of strength or bravery or courage within us to trust God in the unknown places of our lives to say, I'm going to, with everything within me, I'm going to try to stand back up, God. I'm going to try to get back up. And that's really been my journey for almost 18, 19 years, 18 years now for me, really um, choosing not just one time in my life where the wind was knocked out where I got up, but so many times on that path, you know, just those times when you stand up and you think, man, I'm stronger now, life is good. And then all of a sudden, wham, you get hit again with something. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. Where did this come from? And then you have to process through that. But you know, I was a, I was a girl that was raised in the church. So faith was a big thing for me. My relationship with Jesus was a big deal to me. I learned early on that there was a huge difference between religion and relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that I truly understood the difference. And um, and I just, I just kind of jumped all in. And my youth group had a great youth group of almost 400 kids, super fun, super crazy, lots <laughs> to do, great looking guys to choose from. And why go to youth group if there are, I mean, the guys need to be good looking for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, choose a church where the men are hot. That's right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> right. So it, you know, it was really actually fun because we just had so many different kids from all different walks of life and um, different places in their relationship with Jesus. And um, I was about 15 when I saw this really good looking guy, like three of them actually walk into our church and their youth group. <laughs> I'm you thinking, there's my pick. From. <laughs> exactly. There's my pick. There's all three. And uh, I had my eye on the youngest brother, the three. When I turned 16, uh, about a month later, he asked me out. And that began truly one of the greatest adventures of my life. We started a date, had such a fun time. He was such a cool guy. He was new to faith. And so his relationship with Jesus was it was very exciting for him, which made it that way for me as well, because I'd kind of been raised in it. So a lot of things you take for granted, but all of a sudden I was like, wow, you see God in a different way. I want to see what you see. Hmm. And it was fun to hang out with him. And he was just, he was fun, adventurous, authentic. He loved God. He lived big. He had a big life and he loved me Hmm. and he loved me well. And he protected our relationship. And that was something that drew me in even closer to this guy, fell even more in love with him because he was saying all the right things, but he was also doing the right things. Yeah, I love that in your book. I'm sorry, but I'm going to just say I love, I fell in love with him Mm -hmm. as you told the story of your relationship because Mm -hmm. he was so authentic and so real and he, he just treasured you. Yeah. Like, like, and I, you know, Colleen, when you almost, there's times when I think, you know, I did, I didn't deserve it. And yet my buddies will say, yes, you did. You deserve love. You deserve everything. And it's like, I I know what they mean. And I know what that means. And at the same time, my humanness 
says many times when I didn't deserve it or I didn't treat him well or, you know, you're teenagers and you do stupid little things and say things and you break up for like a day or two. And, you know, I mean, the world falls I, apart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I put him through a lot. And um, I, I just sometimes imagine you doing that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I, know. <laughs> I did, unfortunately. So but he, he stayed faithful. He stayed consistent. I mean, there was a time I broke up with him during prom week. And funny enough, he was going to a Christian school at the time. And um, we went to two different high schools and um, I broke up with them. I was the guest singer with this other guy who liked me on this ship. And Trent, this he wouldn't even, he wouldn't even ask one girl to go with him because he didn't want me to be on that same ship and be all hurt by that. Now, look, we weren't even dating, but he asked two girls to go with him <laughs> so that I wouldn't think that he was dating one of them. <laughs> but you thought he was dating both. <laughs> that jerk. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, yes, he would always do some crazy things like that and just honestly thoughtful. When I look back at that stuff, I think, you know, what guy would have done that? He probably would have said, you know. She's hurt me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do whatever I can to to hurt her back. But he he just never was like that. He never ever wanted me to know pain or to bring hurt into my life. And that was my relationship with him for seven and a half years dating this just awesome guy. And I went off to Bible college. I came back, and I just decided I cannot live my life without my best friend anymore every day. And so we got married after seven and a half years of dating. And uh, I will never forget walking down that same aisle where we had met seven and a half years prior thinking I get to spend the rest of my life with my best friend, with my soulmate. And that began the greatest adventure of my life. We were married for 11 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I signed a record deal in the beginning of that marriage. Um, Or I, I should say probably maybe three or four years into that, I guess it was. And, but I had been pursuing music for a long time. So I signed a record deal. He left his family business. He came on the road with me full-time in ministry. So we started traveling the world together in ministry full-time. And it just, it fit, it worked, it felt right. We absolutely loved it. We we loved being together. We didn't just uh, love each other, but we also liked each other. So we really loved hanging out. I know, right? (laughs) So just, you know, wherever God opened up a door, we just, we, we ran through it. And we just said, man, how can we love people? How can we serve? Um, how can we grow together? How can we love life, the adventure of life, and just do it in the biggest way we can and never look back, have no regrets. And life felt beautiful. 11 years into marriage now and a couple albums under my belt. And I was in a season where I just sort of wondered, what's next? What does God have next? And uh, we got an invitation to go to Jamaica on a mission trip. So we went there uh, one week before this mission trip, and we had a vacation on one side of the island with our timeshare. We had a beautiful week together, so much fun, just us, oh, and time to really great. even, with, without, I know, without even being overly spiritual, we just had a time of such uh, connection to the things of God, even asking the Lord, what is next for us? Hmm. God, like we want to be in the, in the center of your will. And I think we just, we were just really in that place of searching and asking God. And um, we just felt like this, this time in Jamaica was going to be pivotal and like God was going to show up. I just, I knew God was up to something. I just didn't have any idea what it was. And no idea of what it would turn into. Exactly. It began a journey that I never, ever thought I would ever have to travel. Mm. I was a girl that never thought I had a testimony and I was about to be handed what I would say the worst testimony of my life. We got on a bus a few days later 
jumped into our car from there and headed to the Blue Lagoon in Jamaica. And we had lunch there on the edge of the water. Trent wanted to scuba dive. And I must tell you that Trent is his first name, which I took when I signed my record deal. So we were Tammy and Trent Lendering, but on the platform, I was Tammy Trent. And I loved it because he was with me every step of the way. Every step I took on a platform, off of a platform in ministry didn't matter. So there we were. So Trent wanted to go scuba diving. He'd been an avid scuba diver since the age of 12. So we did it everywhere we went. Every vacation we ever went on, there he was with his underwater scooter ready to go on a great adventure underwater. He just loved it. Now, did you scuba dive as well? I didn't. I did. I had no no desire. I and, and I love that it didn't bother him. We snorkeled a ton together, mm-hmm. but I just you know it was one of those things. I don't think out of fear, but maybe a tiny bit. But I just thought, no, nah, I just it's. I don't think it's for me. And uh, and he never it never bothered him. He had so many buddies he went diving with, so it was kind of his guy time anyway. So I think he he probably loved it that I didn't want to die. But every time he dove, you know, we went on vacation, I'd sit there on the, on the beach or on the edge of the water and I'd lay out. And that was my time to read a book or just hang out while he was out exploring in the water. And it was another one of those days, just like any other day. And uh, we had lunch there. We finished up on the edge of the water. He suited up, had his underwater scooter, said, I'm going to be gone for 15 minutes. When I get back, we'll go hang out and do something you want to do. And I thought that sounds great. He slipped into the water. I waved goodbye to him. And I had no idea at that moment that that would be the last time I would ever see Trent again. He sunk beneath the surface and he was gone. I remember um, finishing lunch. I remember 15 minutes going by, 30 minutes going by into 45. And I realized I hadn't seen him. So I got close to the edge of the water and I, I looked out and I saw nothing, and he was free diving that afternoon holding his breath, so I knew I'd maybe have to see something every few moments, and I still saw nothing. And I remember at that moment, truly for the first time in my life, fear gripped every part of me. I was so afraid. I felt very hopeless. I knew something was wrong. I knew something had shifted, and I knew I couldn't change it. I just, I went in the state of just being completely numb. And I called in a dive team. They began to search. And during that time, I just went to this back room and I just, um, I just cried mm-hmm. and I lifted up my hands toward heaven. And it was like this automatic response. Like I didn't even know what to pray. I just said, help me, Jesus. God, I need help. And I don't even know what that looks like right now mm-hmm. because I know my life is never going to be the same. And I would beg you to change this, but I know It is what it is right now. So God, I need you to rescue me somehow from this. And I don't even know what that looks like. But I just began to lift up my hands and I started to sing praise songs. It was such such an automatic response for me, which um, you can look back at that years later and just think, gosh, I guess I really, you know, when we're in those defining moments of our life, how are we really going to respond? So to know that that was my response. It told me that the devil can never lie to me. He can never tell me again that my faith is not genuine, that my love for Jesus is not real, that my belief in him is tainted. He can never tell me that because my response was to run into the arms of my father and just say, God, hold me, help me, rescue me. Can you do something in this moment? And it was the only thing that brought peace into my life. The search continued um, for a few more hours. They had to call it off because it was getting too dark. They started again the next morning. 
I stayed at the home of two doctors that watched out for me that night. A doctor came into my room. He said, Tammy, come quickly. We want to show you the television in the other room. And I walked into that room uh, staring at the television the morning of September 11th, 2001, as the second plane plowed into the Twin Towers in New York City. And I thought for the first time in my life that this must be the end of the world because nothing makes sense to me right now. Like, God, how could you be in any of this? Like, where are you? America's falling apart. My personal world is falling apart. Like, God, do you see me? Do you see this girl? Where are you? If I needed you, I need you now, God, and I need to know you're real. And it just, man, my whole world was just felt like it was falling apart, everything around me. And I was desperately trying to find God in, in all of that, the questions that I had. And the phone was ringing off the hook. And the next call that came in was my family, and they were grounded on planes all across the country. That's right, because no one could fly. That's right, exactly. And so here I was then again saying, God, why? Like, it's enough. Like, how can I go through this by myself? That was my first feeling is nobody can get to me. And then the phone rang again, and it was the doc. And they found Trent in that lagoon. Um, he was down about 150 feet, hanging onto his underwater scooter still. And it looked like he took his last breath as something had struck him on the back of the head. And, and he didn't survive. He didn't make it. And I just remember falling to the ground, getting that kind of news that he was gone. And I just thought, God, what happened? Like, what part of the plan changed? What do I do now? How will I ever live? How do I move? How do I breathe? I mean, all those questions that any one of us have ever had in those tragic moments where we just, you know, just think, what do I, what do, I do now? And what do I do with this? And honestly, that really began a series of questions that I had for God. I wasn't turning my back on him or running from him because I knew I needed him. But I just couldn't understand at that moment how he could allow something like this to happen in my life. Well, you are in Christian ministry. You're serving him faithfully. And what I loved in the book is that you put as well, you guys had not had sex before marriage. For seven and a half years, Trent mm -hmm. protected your relationship. You honored the Lord in every way that you knew how to, mm -hmm. and yet it all came crashing down. That had to be so disillusioning. Yeah. Like, I feel like in a moment's time, I lost it all. And I didn't get that one last time to tell Trent I loved him or how much he changed my life. Um, I didn't get any of that, you know, and it's like, it, it seems unfair, you know, it's, I think that's the moment when you're sitting there, even days later, pulling your life together, just thinking, you know, life is not fair. It's not fair. And I think as you begin, uh, and there's so much of that, that's true that we, how many times have we all said it's not fair? And it just, right. it feels like that in the moment for sure. And our humanness feels like we just want to shout that so many times in this side of heaven, life isn't fair. It actually isn't. And it's broken. And life breaks. People And did break. you get mad about that? I mean, did you talk to the Lord about Ugh. being angry? I have. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely have. Um, he, he, he's heard it for sure. I'm right here. I'm Girl, angry with you right I know, now. I know. <laughs> I'm I know. I'm about to the table. <laughs> you know, it's one of, I know exactly. It's so many things. Even look, 18 years later, I can tell you that God has taken me through an incredible journey. And I can also tell you that even as awful as that sounds, God has brought joy into my life through the story. He's brought healing to my life. But I can also tell you, 
18 years later, I still get angry. It's usually trigger moments for me now. I'm not an angry person, but oh my goodness, I definitely have moments when I can't fix something around the house, when something is too tight and I don't have the strength to do it. Um, that's, that's when I have moments where I just, I'll collapse onto the ground because maybe the lawnmower stopped working and I can't get it started again. And I'm pulling it and I'm pulling it. And I'm just, by the 10th time I'm sweating like crazy. And I just, I'll sit on the ground and sometimes I just weep. And and other times I shout, (laughs) sometimes I kick Mm -hmm. it and say, this is stupid. I'm so mad. And I walk in the house. (laughs) (laughs) I love it that you mow your own lawn because I do too. (laughs) I know I just did it today, but thank God the lawnmower did not stop on me. But yes, I definitely have moments like that still where I just, um, I just, uh, I think for me, my mom told me early on, like Tammy, God can handle anything. Like mm-hmm. what I have is a, is a relationship with Jesus. Relationships take two people. And so I get to be honest with them. I get to have conversation with them. If I'm upset about something, I get to tell them, I get to talk to him about it. And then he actually breathes in my direction. He calms me down. He speaks truth to me. Like I get, I get that you feel this way, but, but let's just relax for a second I'm not abandoning you. We'll figure this out, but you're not thinking clearly and you're frustrated. And now you pulled on the lawnmower so many times that you yourself <laughs> flooded it. <laughs> have flooded it. So I didn't do it. You did it. <laughs> but God, I want to blame you because after all, you get blamed for so many oh, things you never did. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, girl. It's, it's, that's exactly right. There, I blame him for so much stuff because I think, well, you have all the power to change this right now. Why don't you? And I think for me, I'm a girl that's forever learning and he's a great teacher And so because of that, he says, look, I mean, I hate this for you. I know you hate it, but I'm going to take you through something else. And it's it's not going to be easy. But if you will allow me to teach you something through this, Tammy, I promise you, you will become stronger because of it. And uh, that's really been, it's a choice. You know, it's really a choice that we have to choose to allow God to teach us something. Um, and, And sometimes he wants to take his time. Other times for some people, it's real quick. It's a real quick teaching thing. And we think, why can't mine be quick? But, you know, exactly. he knows exactly. he knows what each one of us needs. And sometimes mine are longer. And I know why, because I'm, I'm not a fast learner. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be, and it still takes a long time. I know, me too. I just forget. <laughs> me too. But, man, I'm so glad that his commitment to us is steady and steadfast and never changes. My commitment hasn't always been 100%, but his commitment to us will always be 100%. And mm-hmm. life will change. Life will break. Things will happen. It's not a matter of um, if they will. It's a matter of when. But when they happen in our lives, who will be that one that brings us back to life again? And, and God knew that if my family had made it over there to me on that island, that they would have been the one I turned to to help bring me back to life again. But I can look back now and see the hand of God and the decisions he made for my life, knowing what would be best for me long term. And if he was the only one I had to run to, then that was what I I had to get used to. And I had to know the voice of God rather than the voice of my family. And that voice, his voice would be my greatest leader of hope in my life. Has it been tempting at times to depend on things in this world rather than God? Oh, I think definitely um, it has, it was early on, but I think now 18 years into being a widow, you know, I, there are so many times I just, I know I had that feeling of it's just us. Like I don't have anybody. My family doesn't even live in Nashville where I'm at. My family all lives in Michigan and Austin and Chicago. And I've got my, you know, my handful of girlfriends here, my real 
tight, close circle of my best friend, but even my best friend lives 35 miles away or 35 minutes away. So when I have something that goes wrong in the house, it's like, I've got to figure it out on my own. I don't have someone to run across the street and help me do guy stuff. It's like, I got to put on my big girl pants and my big boy hat and (laughs) and figure it out. So I have come to know truly that Jesus is my provider he is my source. I, and it doesn't mean that I go to him with big, big smile on my face when things go wrong. I'm like, come on, you told me you would help me with this. I need your help, God. Like you need to step in right now. because I don't know what I'm doing right now. I need you, Jesus. I need you right now to help me figure this out, God. And uh, so he has become that, that person that I really do totally run to. And he is my source. Um, Cause I know it's, it's, I, I just don't, a lot of times I don't have anybody close by to, to kind of fix stuff with me. So he's, he's definitely my go-to and it has become that absolutely through the years. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really, really great. I read <clears throat> in one of the things that you had written in um, 2017 on your blog, you said a holy life isn't a perfect life, mm-hmm. but it's a surrendered life mm-hmm. to become one in a real genuine relationship with Jesus. We must be willing not only to give up sin, but to also surrender our whole way of looking at things. Mm. Being born again by the Spirit of God means that we must first be willing to let go before we can grasp something else. Mm. And He has really continued to force your hands open. Wow, yeah. What we would call on this side unfair, Mm. because it seems unfair, but we're holding on to something of this world that he's saying, but you don't need that. You need me. Mm. Were there times where you were like, I need you and you're not listening? Girl, I I feel... Uh, I feel that very often, even still, I, I have mm. definitely moments of that. And um, I think it's a, for me, I, I think my opinion is that it's my personality when, when I don't get a response quick enough from, from the Lord. I just, I just think instantly like you're, you know, you're, you're too busy or you're not, you know, you're not thinking of me right now. And I, I have no idea why. And I, you know, <laughs> it's I, been a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where are you? It's been five minutes now and this lawnmower still won't start. <laughs> but yeah, I think my, my human nature kind of, I don't know why, but I, I think I do that a lot. Maybe it's just the disappointment. I'm a girl that, um, I don't think I have high expectations, but I, I, when I'm disappointed in life, man, it really, it punches me in the gut. So even when I'm doing something and something falls short and I, I find disappointment in that, um, I definitely run to Jesus first and think, why, why didn't you make this better? Why did it have to turn this way? And I don't, I don't understand. And it just seems like you're not interested today or, you know, I don't know. I, I have, I definitely have those seasons. I don't know for me if, I don't even know if it's seasons. Maybe it's just that time of the month. <laughs> <laughs> that time of the day? That time, that exactly. time before coffee? <laughs> First thing in the morning, God, please be with me today. But speak into the life of someone who's listening, who has been praying for something, mm-hmm. has been talking to the Lord authentically, and they feel like he is just, he is on vacation. Wow. Gosh, you know, I... um my heart hurts sometimes when I'm out doing women's events and those very type of things uh, might come up, whether it's in conversation or Q&A or altar time stuff. And to be honest with you, Colleen, sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know if I have all the right answers for somebody in that moment. 
because we're all so individually different and, and, and the things we're praying for, the things we're hopeful for, um, what, you know, and, and people play a part in that as well, our dynamics with our families and what we're praying for and things like that. So a lot of times I'm thinking, man, I don't know, I don't know exactly what to say except for here's one nugget that I leave with everybody. We can never interpret our numbness as God's absence in our lives. So even if we're going through those seasons where we're being faithful and diligent and, and we are just believing and standing in faith and, and things aren't moving like we hope they are and you're starting to feel hopeless, you're starting to feel numb, you just please don't interpret that, that moment, that time as God's absence in your life. Because never is there a time when Jesus is not speaking. Never is there a time in which Jesus is not present. The Bible says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm here with you. And even if you feel numb, you must know that God's presence in your life is very real. There's never a time when he's not breathing in your direction. Steadfast, release things to God. Sometimes we also hang on to things. We hang on, we hold tight. And also we need to let go sometimes of that grip and trust and release that stuff to Jesus and now believe in faith. You know, sometimes we pray, we pray, we pray. The, the truth is God has heard your prayer. He's heard your prayer. And now you release it and you believe in faith in Jesus name that God's will will be done in the circumstances, in the situation, in your life. And what happens from here, if you're walking in the will of God, and that is your deepest desire is to be in the will of God and be in the things of God, then you have to believe he has your best interest. So it will, things will fall into place when he sees that it will serve the greatest purpose in your life. One of the things that has really helped me in the waiting times when I'm like, you are so on vacation, Lord, and, and you're not right here, is to turn or to reframe, as I say all the time, is to reframe my thinking and my perspective to Colleen, He's at work, but as he works all things together for a greater good, not necessarily for my comfort or for my happiness, but for a greater good, he's got a lot of pieces and a lot of players in the mix. Yes. So he's working on another person that he knows I will come across in the future, but I don't know that. So I start praying for, Lord, wherever you are working Lift those people that you're working on. Make them attentive to your voice. Help them through whatever they're going through, through a process that they didn't expect. Because when we do come back together, it will all be your work. Not that I was super patient, but God, you were at work. Yeah, that's a good word. I really, yeah, that's very good. And I believe it's right on for sure. It's just hard to wait. And yet we have to remember, <laughs> it's not all about me. You're yeah. kidding. <laughs> Waiting is awful. Nobody likes to wait. We don't even want to wait for the microwave to, to heat up our, <laughs> our water. Exactly. You mean this takes three minutes instead yeah, of two? Exactly. I think it's just, it's also, I think where, where life is right now and everything is so fast paced and everything is so snap your fingers and you have it right then. And so it's the same thing with, with marriages, with finances, with health issues, you know, even with me, you know, to, taking a biopsy off of my face a couple, like, I guess it was yesterday only. And um, like, I want to know the answer right now. Is is there something I should be concerned about? But I've got to wait for the test results. So, you know, in the waiting is hard, but in the waiting also for me, man, I have such a peace. 
like, yeah. like whatever this is, God, if it's cancerous, like, uh, then let's take care of it. Uh, if it's not like, I know that you are in all of the details of my life. So even in the waiting, I've got to trust and believe that you're in the details. There's nothing that you've overlooked. There's nothing that you're unaware of. So right. whatever happens, even with this, it's like, I just don't want to live with any regrets. I don't want to live with any regrets. I want to live with a, you know, a big adventure with my faith in front of me. So I'm just, it's always leading me where I'm not, you know, trying to follow something. I want to be led. I want to be led by faith, not, not like lagging behind. So, you know, I just don't want any regrets. So even, even with those things, even in the waiting, God can totally reveal himself to us in a different way. So instead of maybe walking in the waiting, just like agonizing about it and being angry at God and frustrated, man, maybe if we just change the course or change the, the uh, perspective and just say, God, I know you can handle it. So I'm just going to say it out loud. Like, I hate the waiting. I don't like the waiting. It's not fun, but please teach me something through this so that it wasn't for nothing. And he's like, man, if you're all in, if you're, if you say that, then let's go. And he will. And he you. gives us, he gives us time in the waiting to look around at who, who else is in need? Yeah. Maybe he has me in this waiting place because he wants to use me in a way that I wasn't even expecting. Yes, exactly. It's not just what you're saying. It's not always about us. God sometimes uses us when we think it's for us, for somebody else. Absolutely. I absolutely believe that too. Now in art, as I do my reframing process, one of the key points is to find support. Mm. And I have to ask, how has having your group of friends, even though they live 30 plus miles away, how has that been part of healing for you? Oh my goodness. The first thing that I think of when you say friends and healing is laughter. My, I have like <laughs> the best friends. I mean, we laugh. Even my best friend, Anita, who actually works for me now um, and has worked for me for goodness, 17 years, I think, is my best friend, like my sister. We just do life well together. She's a total right. gift from God to me. Um, it, but we just laugh. I have some amazing, rich, the word rich comes to mind as well. Like I just had 17 girls at my house Saturday at a pool party. And oh my gosh. it was the best. And we even had people <laughs> Facebooking at Nita right before the party, <laughs> girls that I'd never met before saying, now, how do I get an invite to this party? And Anita would run, she was here ready to, to swim. She was here early. So she said, hey, so-and-so just messaged me. And I think they're being playful. But I said, Anita, invite her. She's a single woman. She's divorced. She's like 55. I said, invite her. Tell her to come That's over if so she wants great. to. And you know what? That lady showed up three hours later, walked in my house, out to the pool, starting chatting up a bunch of people, having fun, laughing. They're talking about, we're all involved in ministry somehow. So there's all this interesting connection. So we all have things to talk about and to laugh about and the memories and just being in the moment. Mm -hmm. My friends know how to live in the moment with me and they, they have cried with me. They have laughed with me. They've played with me. They've taken trips with me. They have just walked life out with me in such a rich way. Genuine women of God that know how to live life authentically. I hmm. don't, I, you know, I don't do well with religious people, like legalistic people, right. if that makes sense. Right. I don't do good with that. It makes total sense. I don't either. Yep. I, I don't either. I never have. I usually run from that. I just, I don't do good with that stuff. And so um, the, the women that God brings into my life are just my friends, my girlfriends. Um hmm. 
they just, they're just real, genuine, authentic women. And I'm so grateful for that. Just doing life. We, we don't come in and all of a sudden our church voice changes. You know, we just, we just talk life together. And if somebody's really hurting, they, you know, we've, we have literally come in this house and sat someone in a chair and said, we're going to pray for you because they wanted prayer. Two girls that were here this weekend have just recently lost their moms. And they're like, I Mm -hmm. don't even know how I got here today. Cause I kept telling myself, don't go, don't go, just stay home. But I thought, no, I'm going to go. And I look out at those girls laughing and talking and I'm grilling out. So we're eating and we're sharing food. And I'm just, I'm looking out the windows. I'm grilling my butt off. <laughs> <laughs> and that you have your big girl pants on and your big boy hat on. <laughs> and you're running your grill because your lawn got mowed. <laughs> exactly. I'm the man of the house now. So I'm, exactly. grill- I'm grilling. <laughs> but I'm looking out and, you know, everybody's out there swimming and they're floating and they're, they're snacking. And I really, I literally am grilling and running in, doing the salad and running out, flipping over the steaks and the chicken and running back in and I'm doing the potatoes. And not one person was helping. And I loved it. I yeah. loved looking out and going, that's where they're supposed to be. Just, that's community. To yes. Me. Oh my that's goodness, girl. It was precious. And what I love mostly is, and I'm going to tell you this, I'm just going to throw this out there and we don't have to go on this topic, but there was a, a couple that came that was a gay couple, two girls that were gay mm-hmm. and were married and mm-hmm. were church girls. And I, I thought about this. Do I invite them ahead of time or not? And I thought, you know what? Yes. Yes. I don't know if it'll make somebody else uncomfortable, but I want to invite these girls and I want to love them. And I want, I want them to be around some other amazing women. And even for them, it was incredible to look out and watch the connection as they were beginning to talk about the things of God. And you know what? There's no assignment that I had to have on that day regarding them. But, but I opened up my door and Jesus says, what's his greatest commandment is just like love. Just love. We don't have to agree. Um, I don't have to be supporting certain things and whatever. I'll just say that. But but I love them. And And I think people get love and um, approval totally messed up. Oh, I do too. We can love someone doesn't mean that we approve of every single thing they do. I don't approve of everything I do. Girl, I know it. If people looked at my <laughs> life and said, let's let's uh, invite her to a pool party based on sin in her life or things she's done, <laughs> exactly. I would never get invited to a pool party. So I'm, you know, it, exactly. But this, when you said community and women of God, when I looked out and saw all walks of life, different things going on, different conversations, but the, the foundation of it, the root of it was Jesus Christ was just like, man, I was in heaven. I was like, you girls stay out there. I'm going to grill out. We're going to have a feast. And we just had the best time. And I felt so grateful for that. But when I think of my girlfriends, when I think of my friends, I think of laughter and I think of life and I think of healing. Hmm. That is so good. I came across as I was reading your book, I started looking up some things on authenticity. And I found this article on being wise about choosing the people that you trust Mm. and who is authentic or the qualities of an authentic person. And this article said seven qualities of a really truly authentic person. They have a realistic perception of a reality, Mm. are accepting of themselves and of others. They're thoughtful. I loved that one. They have a non-hostile sense of humor. They don't use other people as a joke, but they have a great sense of humor. They're able to express their emotions freely and clearly, are open to learning from their mistakes, and they understand their motives. Now, the inauthentic ones 
probably some of the quote unquote religious ones that you and I would probably run from (laughs) because we'd be the first rule breakers (laughs) (laughs) are self-deceptive and unrealistic in their perceptions of reality. Look to others for approval to feel valued, are judgmental of other people. Do not think things through clearly. They do have a hostile sense of humor or put others at their humor. Are unable to express their emotions freely, clearly. And I would add they probably aren't aware of their emotions. Mm. Um, They're not open to learning from their mistakes and they don't understand their motivations. And what you just talked about, the authenticity part of relationships is so healing. Laughter is Mm. so healing. It doesn't mean it takes the pain away. But having other people walk with you through it has a healing factor. In fact, in our own family, we're going through something very difficult. And we continue to say we didn't cause it. We can't control it. And we don't have a cure for this, but we're going to stick with you in it. Wow, that's Because really we good. love you. Yes, that's really good. Now, Ugh. Tammy, it's been so many years since Trent passed how has the Lord reframed your life? I mean, he's brought friendships to you. Um, in what ways has he turned your pain into a purpose that you'd never even imagined or could have planned on? Yeah. I think just, you know, before I lost Trent, I was just known as a contemporary Christian recording artist. And early on, my first records that came out were... Um, very danceable, very uh, pop driven. And so that's, that was the path I was taking. And when I lost Trent, and it, it didn't define my life, but it was, it was just really who, who I was. And it seemed like a natural path to take. And I was in kind of ministry and obviously in um, touring and that kind of thing. When Trent died, I stepped away from all of it, basically life. And I came home and shut my door. And I just basically said, God, who am I? Who am I? And who, who are you calling me to be? What can I do with all of this? I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with my life. I have no idea how I would ever sing again without Trent and travel without Trent. So to me, that part seems gone and I'm okay with that. But what do I do with all of this now? And you know what, Colleen, the answers weren't even there. It's not like God said, this is it. It's really clear. Let me lay it out for you. He didn't do it that way. So what I did was said, okay, let's do this. Let's take, let's take a year to heal. Like, I don't want to be on a platform. I don't want to have to give to anybody. I just, I need a year, Jesus, to heal off of a platform. So if you can give me this time a year, um, and, then, and then after that year is up, I will be faithful with whatever door opens for me, because I know you will have opened it. Cause I don't, I don't plan on ringing any doorbells or knocking on any doors. I just want to heal. So if you, whatever you call me to, I don't know. I just don't know what it looks like. So I took that year to heal. That's when what I started, look like? gosh, I, I started inviting a bunch of girlfriends over maybe once a month. That's when the laughter, that's when the healing started. That's when all the fun and friendship and stability and all that, these girls just basically standing in the gap for me when I couldn't stand on my own, just saying, we're here for you. Uh, we're, we're holding your hand while you're healing. I, I was very intentional with my time, meaning I got a membership at the gym. 
So it, during my days when I'd wake up in the morning, I could see light. I could see outside the window. It was easier for me. But when, when it would become dark, then everything was heavy. Everything was hard. Like the depression wanted to set in. The darkness was chasing after me, all the feelings and the tears and everything. So I was smart enough to say I'm getting a, a gym membership. And every time the sun goes down, I'm putting on my gym shoes and I'm heading to the gym for two or three hours. And I'd go, I'd work out. I'd sit in the sauna. I'd sit in the steam room. I'd come home. By the time I'd come home and take a bath, I'd crawl into bed. Boom. The next day would start again. And um, so I intentionally did some things like, uh, you know, kept busy with, with going to movies and taking little trips and always had something to look forward to. Um, always, That's critical. Yes. That, I, that is critical. Yes. I've, and I'm still that girl. I always make a plan, you know, have mm -hmm. something, a trip with my girlfriends, whether it's Vegas or New York City for my birthday or Ireland or, or uh, Italy for my 50th. Last year, I went for two weeks with my sister and my best friend. And, you know, so I always plan something to look forward to. And that has really helped me on my journey as well as I've just kind of pulled myself back together again. But that year, I just I just healed and I got stronger and stronger. And um, it was that time that the women of faith called when a year was up. And wow. they said, would you come and would you share your story and your music on our platform? And do you know what, Colleen? I said, no, I just I don't think I, you know, that time is coming gone and I'm just not really ready. And, and I remember hanging up the phone and it was almost like God said, wait a second. We had a conversation and you said a year and it's been a year. I forgot about that one. <laughs> He's like, you got to hold up your end of the deal. And so I, um, I got a second call from them a few months after that. And I, and I still felt the same, but I said, no, I'll come. I will come. And that I traveled with Women of Faith for four years after that. And you survived. I did. You and survived my aunt. I know. I love Lucy Swindell. She's one of my favorites. Oh, my goodness. I, I loved her, especially those early years with Lucy, Patsy, Marilyn Mieber, Sheila mm -hmm. Walsh. Those women had become such uh, sisters of faith to me, moms, like aunts. I mean, they were just, they just stepped in and loved me. And there was so much laughter in those seasons with them. And, and that platform was such a platform of healing. It it really was. There was no agenda there except to heal and to be surrounded with those ladies. It was a God appointed moment in everything that Trent had prayed for, for my life, that one day God would open up a door for me to travel with the women of faith. And there I was in that arena with 20,000 women just standing up there sharing the story of love and loss and hope and healing, thinking, Trent, you amaze me. This is where you wanted your girl, and I'm here, and I'm healing, and I'm doing just fine, and I'm going to be okay. Is that not the ultimate God way? I mean, he prayed for that for you, mm -hmm. and yet it took losing him yeah. for that door to open. That's crazy. Which we would never pray for. We would never pray for that. I would still never pray for that. I mean, I can— I can see the hand of God in it. I know now why, why things were allowed to happen in my life because he saw that it would serve a greater purpose. I, I know that I've been called. I know that I've been chosen. And yet at the same time, it's not like God's like, yeah, I'm going to take you down this really painful path. I mean, life happens, life breaks. But the beautiful thing about God is he says, we can take this now and, and, and we can restore this. We can redeem this, Tammy. We can make something beautiful out of the ashes of your life. I don't think God creates ashes for our lives, but he does redeem them and he makes them beautiful again. As we come to a close, Tammy, can you just speak into the person who is night maybe falling and they're wanting to just curl up and, and not continue? 
or they are going, you know, Lord, I've been waiting and the lawnmower isn't starting Mm -hmm. and I'm doing all my part and I don't know where you are. I mean, there are so many, everybody has a place in their life where they're hurting. Oh, man, we do. And um, I think uh, this side of heaven, I think we will always have uh, circumstances that come in and out of our lives that want to try to rob us from our joy and, and steal joy from us and confidence in God and um, the devil's fighting so hard for our attention. Uh, easy was never promised to any one of us, but, but the victory was. And so you have been equipped for every victory in your life. You have the full armor. You have knowledge. If you don't, then get into the word of God. Know the voice of God. Just don't know things about him but get to know him intimately. I promise you in that alone will make so much more sense in your life. It will make things so much more clear. It doesn't mean your circumstances and the pain or disappointment that you feel just go away to the wayside because of your knowledge in Jesus. But I think it just helps to put things in a better perspective. Um, It's easy to blame God for things in our lives. I totally understand that. Um, And, you know, the thing is, I think God gets it too. He's not running away from you. We can push so hard, but he's not going to go anywhere. He is in constant pursuit of your life. So no matter where you are right now in the fight, in the prayer, please, please don't give up. Please hang on because you have no idea how close to that victory you are in your life, in your marriage, in your finances. I don't know what healing looks like for you. I know healing is hard. It's a choice to also like sort of just surrender it all and trust God with the unknown and say, God, I'm open to healing. It's a journey, even healing. So you have to trust God with those broken pieces of your life and even know that through healing, you will find yourself again. You will learn to breathe again. You will come out stronger. You will find bravery. You will be courageous. You will find purpose in your pain. It might not be well with your circumstances today, but somehow it can be well with your soul. If you're feeling dark, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling depressed, if you're filled with anxiety, and take a deep breath. Find a devotion that just speaks to your spirit. Wrap yourself up in some great music that speaks life to you. It doesn't take that away from you, but speaks life, deposits life into your spirit. Surround yourself with the things of God. I promise you, when you change the atmosphere in your life, so many other things will begin to change. Trust God's timing in the waiting. Trust it. Trust it for your life. He knows what's best for you. And he will always come through. He will never disappoint. Remember, life disappoints. I get it. People disappoint us. People hurt us. People take from us. But God's intention is to bring increase into your life. Not to take from you, but to bring increase and wholeness into your life. Stand on the promises of God for your life today. Don't waver from it. However hard it is in the waiting, however hard it is in the darkness, don't waver from the truth of God's word in your life. No matter how many lies are thrown at you, how much deception is thrown at you, how many people are trying to steal your attention, don't let it. Stand firm and stand strong because you are a woman of God who is fighting for her spiritual life. Amen. I mean, I want to have an altar call right now. 
Which is <laughs> so, so true. Oh, and it's so hard. So for all of us who can't join your pool party, yes. which I would have loved to come to, it would have been a little bit of a drive. Mm. How can we find you and how can people connect with you? Yes. And let me just say, even that, that word I spoke, there might even be guys listening. So I kind of just, I kind of backpedaled there for a second thinking, you know, there might be a guy that's listening right now too that just says, well, look, I'm not a woman of God, but... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you're a man of God, but the same applies to you. So guys, if you're listening, then lean into that. Take that word for yourself as well and apply it to yourself because guys go through junk just like we do. So men of God, you need to stand firm too, especially men of God. We need you. We need your strength in Jesus' name. So so find that word for yourself as well. So yeah, you can you can find me at TammyTrent.com. And like everything's there. So you can connect me to Facebook, uh, my Instagram. That's probably my funnest Instagram because you get- It's totally fun. I've it, just got to put that word in because you're hilarious. <laughs> my stories so are hilarious so stupid. I, they are just stupid. I literally have to ask myself sometimes, should you put that on there or no? And I do it. I, I do it. <laughs> do it anyways, because it gives me the best laughs and the oh my gosh, smiles. Girl. Love it. Yeah, you guys can connect with me. Any TammyTrent.com is the greatest place there. Books and music are on iTunes or online. You can get it anywhere on my website. But I just, I feel privileged in this part of my life and this journey to have moments like this with you, Colleen, and to share with other people that God is a God of love. He's a God of hope. He's a God of healing. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of fun. There's so much he has for us. So don't be afraid to jump all in. Absolutely. Tammy, you're the best. You Thank are. you so much for joining me on my podcast you're today. Welcome. This was just great. Loved it. Have a great day. All right. You too. Thanks. You can find the show notes and referenced resources in the podcast description or on our website, reframingministries.com. If you were impacted by today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you rated and reviewed the podcast, shared it on your social media, or share it with some friends who you think would be touched. You can connect with Reframing on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and other social platforms. And you can email me personally at reframingministries at insight.org. To get notifications for more of Reframing's content, subscribe to the podcast channel or subscribe on our website, reframingministries.com slash subscribe. Thank you again for joining us today at Reframing Ministries. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know in the comments on our website. Our desire is to provide biblical help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through unique and challenging segments in life. And in order to provide for more people, we love your support through prayer, sharing this content with friends, and partner support. Reframing Ministries and Insight for Living Ministries operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. You can partner with us and donate to Reframing Ministries through our website. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.